it's Friday and you're eating pizza. That's yeah, that's that's exactly. Yeah. Welcome to the penultimate episode, 2022 of uh, In the Abyss. Um, we've only got one more to go after this because we're all fucked, we're all old, and we're all lazy, and it's uh, it's dark and it's miserable. And you know, we've had enough of talking about this shit. We'll start again in the new year. But one more episode to go after this one. We'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Padre's back. He's had the shits and all that, and he's done all his marketing and whatnot. And now he's back and an emotional roller coaster, a roller coaster of love, whatever you want to call it. I don't know, but um, and I, uh, although I am getting, I am getting very close for the first time in my teaching career to be able to legitimately use Angel of Death in a lesson because in about three or four weeks after Christmas, I've got two lessons coming up on the final solution, and I am going to use Angel of Death in the fucking lesson. Good, it's about time someone did. And there is sound pedagogical principles for using that song. Good, it's about time someone used uh, proper music when teaching. Um, it's going to be an, it's a bit of another week of, of doing things by the seat of our pants, really. Um, just kind of whatever comes up. Um, because he can't get enough of us, um, Adam is back. How are you doing? I'm much better than last time I was on. Thank you very much. Feeling better. Yes. Yeah. I, I have to say, Adam, I, I really I want to know more about that uh, Yeti hoodie that you're wearing. Oh, this, right. Well, this it does is, look like you're wearing a blanket. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's one of these, like, kind of, um, I think it comes snitty kind of things. So uh, someone pointed out that, like, you know, you've got um, every December, you've got Whamageddon. And it's oh. so close you can get to Christmas without hearing wham. Well, I think that, that that this year is putting on the heating. So it's just like how close you can get to Christmas without putting on the heating. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, just went to the gym and uh, quickly ran into the the sauna afterwards, which which raised my body temperature. And now instead of putting the heating on, I've just got a big old, you know, very, very metal, you know, grey, silvery <laughs> hoodie going on. I think we, we caved about two weeks ago. I think it's just so wet and so soggy here that, just had to give in. It's just had to put some heating on, just a little bit. Nothing too extravagant. I've, yeah, I've got to because I because it's the only way I get hot water in this flat. So I've got uh-huh. to have it on briefly in the morning and the evening anyway. Just don't um, wash. Mm. Yeah, no. Uh, but also, this is a very this is you know an old flat. It's it, the building's uh, late Victorian, um, and it does get damp. So I've got to maintain it. I've got to put the heating on just to sort of minimise that, whether I like you, it or not. You need to be a traditional grubby old metalhead, you know, the great unwashed. It doesn't, you know, stinking jeans. I, and No, no, no. I've got standards, man. <laughs> and I'm no good with mould. Not with my not with my, uh, my lungs. Unless it's on a cheese. Um, yeah. Shall we kick off like we usually do? Talk about what we've been listening to this week. And Adam, as your uh, honorary guest this week, what's um, what's on the wheels of steel? Uh, what I've been listening to this week. Um, uh, well, I'm off to see um, a couple of bands on what's called the the New Faces of Death tour in Bristol on Saturday night. So that's headlined by Rivers and Nihil or Nihil, not sure how you pronounce it, but um, their album last year, uh, last year they came out, The Work. Um, it's kind of like the fourth album in a kind of quadrilogy of albums. Um, each one is based on the seasons and The Work is actually, uh, conveniently enough, the, the winter album. And... Mm. Uh, it's it's the best and it's it's an amazing album. It's one of my favorite albums from last year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing them and talking about albums of the year. Uh, Cult of Luna. Um, listening to a lot of that. I mean, their their album, The Long Road North, is one of my one of the best albums we've heard in 
in years. It's uh, I absolutely adore it. And seeing them at um, at Tanger Festival this year was one of my highlights of the entire year. Uh, I, I, I listened to anyway. um to one song. I thought I haven't got around to listen to the rest of it yet. Is it? Is this sort of still long, drawn out kind of yes. serial cult Luna, or is it heavy? Is it again? Oh it's, oh, it's really, it's really, really heavy. It's all drawn out, and you just get these wonderful, like beautiful builds that just, and it's just really, you know, this kind of cathartic release. Every single song, and they're so fucking good at that. They're incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, like um, uh, probably you know, as much as I love Neurosis, I'd say this this current uh, cult Luna album is better than you know. Uh, anything 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 else in that that sort of post-metal realm really it's it's amazing record absolutely amazing so yeah i did that's a pound in the post jar please (laughs) oh soz yeah (laughs) i did did listen to it this week as well Um, again it's one that you can't you can't have on heavy rotation straight away uh got to sort of absorb it but uh yeah i mean i love that band as well and probably yeah it could well be the best one since mariner i think um, I think that's the last one I really loved. So. I need to get up to speed a little bit then, because I, 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 I got to be honest, I, I have not, I've not really listened to Cult Luna in any great sort of detail, probably since, since the third album, which I can't even remember what it was called. Well, Sal- Salvation, yeah, that was yeah, Salvation, I mean, white a, cover. That was probably that the was last a very one, good one. But, yeah, that, the that, one after, the one after was a bit. They they pulled back a bit. It was a little bit. Uh, yeah, oh, well, I can't remember what it was called actually. Well, the last uh, couple you guys on the highway, oh, on the highway, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And then, but I'm just interested, like you said, Mariner. I mean, they had Vertical, which is amazing, then they had Mariner with Julie Christmas, which is yeah, when I started really going, like, oh god, actually, I do this, is this is it, this is better me. Then the last album, Dawn's Fear, was brilliant, and then I, I just I still think that this one, I think, might be there, might be my favorite of theirs. I just think it's. Um, again, yeah, like you said, they're not a band um, to get you easily get into, and you need to invest quite a lot of time in it. Um, and uh, but I've I've really found it very very cathartic for long drives. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think Mariner. I mean, the, the strength was Julie Christmas's vocals on that. I mean, it works so yeah. well. I kind of want to want to hear them do more stuff like that. Mm. Um, I do remember when you know the, the the amount of times we saw them live around. Um, Around the second album, and and they yeah. were they were unreal live. It just sounded so heavy, and it oh, was probably the heaviest that band I've seen live. Yeah, they they were crazy heavy. I mean, saw them with with ISIS, um, I think in Cardiff actually, mm. uh, London and Brighton as well. I think, and you know, ISIS at the time were were you know at the top of their game, but Cole Luna playing before them every night, they just they were just a level above. Then I've also been, uh, and then just to just to knock off the Swedish thing, I've also listened to uh, Evergrey, who I went to see a couple of weeks ago as well, um, and and some some non-metal stuff that I'm not going to go into just for fear of getting. Some no, anger. do it, do it. Uh, well, I mean, you can talk about you know your opening one twos in terms of like the first two songs on an album, whether it's like Enter Salmon and Sad but True or Battery and Master of Puppets or something like that. But I mean. When it comes to like the bodyguard soundtrack, you've got you know I will always love you and I have nothing. I mean it's just just wallops you just wow absolutely wah, staggering. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> I was expecting maybe a bit of Kim Wilde or I don't know, but not Whitney Houston. Oh, he's always, yeah. Just Matt, I was I generally devastated when Whitney when Whitney died up there with when like Dimebag and um, 
no, I'm not, I'm not even joking now. Like when Dan Bag and, and like Michael Jackson and things like that, something like you know, my, my, you know, just, just I absolutely, I uh, yeah, love it, brilliant. I, I, I really, I, I, I mean, Michael Jackson dying was shit. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, in all honesty, on a, on a bit of a tangent, do you believe the fucking accusations against it? Wow, we bringing that up, really? I think I, for me, it, it is complex. He's got he's got his history, yeah. Which and, is and that's the thing, right? Yeah, he he, is, he was. A, I think when you delve deep into it, he was a very damaged, broken yeah. person, mm. and I don't for one second think that he didn't have. I, I I think something went on. Um, and I don't think you can say because he was broken or damaged that excuses it. No. But there is this there is this part of it that goes, what you were doing, you were grooming people. Like, you know, like the if you have you have you seen the fucking Neverland documentary no. with the two guys? And it's like that's fucking grooming. The why do you pick one kid out of a fucking millions of fans and latch onto that one kid? What is your fucking agenda? Um, but anyway, I mean, the other thing, I mean, like, you know, talking about like Whitney Houston dying, I'm not saying she was a paedophile, um, but um, <laughs> uh, no, Prince dying was fucking savage. Cause, like, oh, yeah, of course, man. That, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's the worst of the lot. Because like that, I mean, didn't see that one coming at all. No. Pr- Prince was like, he, Michael Jackson was a good singer. Um, you know, he had some good tunes. He could dance. He was a bit of a showman. But not, I'm not, I'm sorry, not in the same league as fucking Prince. Prince I, I saw Prince, I saw Prince at the O2 in, uh, I think it was 2006 or 2007, when he did a run of like 20 odd shows or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just an unreal showman. Absolutely unreal. I mean, you know, we were sat like, up, in the, up in the fucking rafters, but it was just an incredible yeah. performance. Just Michael, Michael Jackson was a singer performer. Prince was a musician. Yeah, and a songwriter. And he wrote the songs, yeah. <laughs> one I mean, one because... of the all-time great songwriters. Mm. The fact that like people like David Bowie and people like Prince, you could write songs for other people. And like just go, right, I've got a song. I think this, this is going to be really good for you. Like, you know, Prince wrote that song by for Chaka Khan, I feel for you. Yeah. And when you know Prince wrote it. You you go yeah that makes sense because it's got Prince's fingertips fingerprints all over it yeah um, and then like you know the fact that he was like have you you know there's that famous infamous video where they're playing this the um, why my guitar gently weeps and he wasn't happy with how he wasn't given enough showcase so he just fucking blows all the other guitar players off the stage you know and it's just like and, and Prince like Michael Jackson could churn out singles and everyone goes on about thriller and everything but whatever i don't give a shit but like prince wrote fucking albums yeah they, they were they were they were pieces of work that will, will stand the test of time yeah albums like sign of the times just just almost faultless pieces of work so you know yeah that, that, was, that was a great loss he wrote nothing compares to you yeah i mean, that's an incredible song yeah it's mad when you think of they he's got so many writing credits and I think there's probably a lot that we don't even realise. It's just just how someone can... It's, it's one of those sad prolific. things, isn't it? And I don't... I mean, I think when you look at like heavy metal and, and rock and hard rock and, or, or classic rock, it's it's riddled with drug abuse, alcoholic, alcoholism, 
um, to some extent, people getting like, you know, STD, like Freddie Mercury, like HIV and stuff, because he was promiscuous and stuff like that. But like, there seems to be a trend with people like Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and Prince, these fucking leech fucking doctors latch themselves and these, these entourages latch themselves yeah. onto these people. Elvis was the fucking same with Colonel Parker. Yeah. You were just leeching off them and at the same time fucking destroying them. Because like Prince died because he was being pumped for the fucking drugs. Yeah. Same with Michael Jackson. Same, I think Whitney Houston had was being like fed like a, a diet of uppers and downers. Yeah, there were so long. there somewhere, wasn't there? I think, yeah. Yeah, we, 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 yeah and then you've got, to... I mean, and, and, and these people don't necessarily, it's not like a Chris Cornell situation or a Taylor Hawkins where they just commit suicide and you never see it coming. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's a shame. It is a shame to lose all these people. But like I said before, when we were talking about grunge and that, you can always go back and listen to their music. And apparently, Prince has got thousands and thousands of songs recorded in a vault. But because there's so much um, controversy, <laughs> for want of a better word, around his estate and, and who's entitled to it and everything yeah, like yeah. that, no one can touch this music. So yeah. it's, you know... It's, it'll, it will have, it'll, sort, it'll get sorted eventually. It will eventually, yeah. If there's five interested parties all vying for it, they're just going to, at some point, they'll just say to each other, do you know what? We could probably make 500 million off this, so let's just take 100 each. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, because... Yeah, it comes down to grief. It's a body of work. People are going to say that, that, that even in 10 years' time, there's going to be people that were, you know, who are going to come across your stuff on Spotify and go, right, oh, this this guy's got... this The back, back catalogue's being re-released. Or released. And they'll, they'll, they'll buy it. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd like to think that there was like, you know for a lot of the bands that we've mentioned where we've slagged them off because they went shit in the 90s, that somehow there's a vault somewhere of really good stuff that's just never been released. You know? It's possible. But it's, we're not, we're just, we're just not that lucky. Um, <laughs> so. Well, we know some of the master tapes got destroyed in a fire at Universal years ago and I think some big names were affected, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, because it's the sort of thing you can't replace, isn't it? But um, anyway, um, Padre, since you haven't been with us for what feels like a, about a month, what have you been uh, listening to, if anything? Dirty Pagans. You like him? Good, aren't they? Love it. Great. Yeah. If you can put together an eight-minute song called BTK and I'm listening to it on my, on my way home from work and I'm like, that wasn't eight minutes, was it? <laughs> like it. Crunchy, good riffs, great singer. Um, I think it's the vocals that stand him out because he goes all yeah. fucking King Diamond every now and then. It's yeah, yeah. completely out of nowhere. Yeah, great band. In Human Nature, been listening to those guys. Um, been listening to Hornet's Nest by Power Trip. Yeah. Um, Overkill. Tells people. Overkill? Yeah, all of it. Just back catalogue. Didn't really give them much attention. Shame, really. Not, not, you know, some of it's a bit. Uh, it's like you know, generic, derivative. But you know, they're not. They're not that bad. No, toxic heart attack. Um, spelled T O X I K. Um, hang 'em high. Great band. Sin. That's nuclear assault. Bit of um, municipal waste. Wave of death. That off that album. Um, me listening to some of the latest Slayer stuff like Jihad. Um, found a, a um, Power Ship Live on Spotify, so that was pretty cool. 
I, I really that I, I need to see that band live. The, the singer died, didn't he? Yeah, and there's been no there's been no sort of talk about if anybody's going to replace him or or anything. I mean, I, he was such a big character, Riley Gale. How did he? How did he pass away? Um, they haven't really released why the reasons why. No, no. So it's yeah, we wouldn't want to speculate, but <clears throat> I saw them once opening for Hatebreed, um, and yeah, they they were really really fucking good. No, Even no, the sound sorry. was shit, and they were still really good. The, uh, the Malevolence album. Well. Oh mate, now we're talking. Yeah, great band. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, but that kind of stuff. I managed to um, I I nabbed a uh, cheap secondhand acoustic, so I've started playing guitar again. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else have I been doing? BC, Rich, BC Rich never built acoustics, though, did they? <laughs> no. Well, we're never going to get that back, cunt. Yeah. Kyle like- Jackson, if you're listening, you're a cunt. Fuck yourself. That bit I'll leave in. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anthony, what about you? Um, Voice of reason. Yeah. Vor. Yeah. Yeah, vor. That's it. Um, dirty vor. Yeah. Eliminator. Ah, um, bit of um, new wave of traditional heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Well, or the new new wave of British heavy metal, whatever we want to call it. Current yeah. wave of British heavy metal. Yeah, this year's album, Ancient Light. Um, yeah, it's all right. Again, just say heavy metal. Yeah, they are, they are good. Uh, the guitarist is also in heavy sentence who yeah. did a banging album last year dead to rights great band so so yeah so uh yeah so we'll come back to that here now and again um death hammer uh it can't be a metal band with a name like death hammer surely yeah <laughs> yeah electric warfare so fifth album norwegian black metal rock and roll very much in the spirit of venom and hell ripper and that kind of stuff very very fast very oh, I'm interested. Yeah. Um, it, again, it's again, good. You've got some good slower bits and some nasty sounding bits. It it's a bit full on at times. I mean, I think I think it's the album length is just about right. Any longer, and it would you know it'd be a bit too much. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's good, pleasing, evil metal sound. So yeah, yeah, liking that. Uh, Riot City. Um, yeah, you you keep yeah. going on about this lot. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love this album. It's uh, Electric Elite. Um, it's called. Um, I don't even know where they're from, to be honest. <laughs> should have looked. But uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's again, old school heavy speed metal, fast, some big choruses, real. It's a bit of a raw production, but it's a nice full production. Um, yeah, exhilarating stuff. Just great fun. One con- one concern about Riot City is they are actually Canadian. Oh, it's got all the Canadian, right? Oh, well, yeah. You know, I'm stumbling across a lot of Canadian bands recently, and I think I think there's a room for an episode. I think. Ooh. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. No. You know, like when I when when I was in the, the third time I was in Canada, and I've only ever been there in the winter, unfortunately, which is fucking freezing. Um, I went out with my father, stepfather-in-law, brother-in-law, and brother-in-law, and we we went to like four or five different bars. And you don't have to pay to get in. Um, drinks aren't that, you know, expensive. Every fucking band, every bar had a either a cover band or a live band playing original music. And it was like, you know, different stuff. It wasn't just like rock. It was some of it was like country and Western, but 
do you know that you know when you look at again going back to this idea of infrastructure and places for bands to perform live and make a living i mean these these were they, they weren't some of them were big bars some of them were smaller bars they had a stage they had a sound system you know and you're just like where is this in the uk like you know i'm i'm, I'm, I'm like this is a shitty little town in ontario over the border from um buffalo in in new york and you've got every 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 bar we went into had a live band and it was a Saturday night, people are there. And it's not like, you know, people are like necessarily dancing to the band or they just, it's there and people are watching it, but you've also, you know, got the option of having just a conversation. And it's just like, where the fuck is that in the UK? You know, it's so. Like... Yeah, I mean, you've, you've got it in London. I mean, in London, there's there's endless pubs and bars. I mean, you know, if, if, if you know London, well, you've got places like the Black Heart and the Dev and, and all these kind of places, but that's yeah, yeah, that's, but, that's London. The Dev, you need it. You need it regionally. Yeah, but, no, no, but correct me if I'm wrong. The Dev is a venue as well as a pub. These no, are it's, just it's, fucking. No, it's bars. just a pub. The, the the Dev is just a pub with a with like a stage in the corner. So it's yeah. But but what I'm no, what I'm saying is it's it's also it's a recognised venue because it represents a specific genre. I'm just talking yeah. about run of the mill fucking bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like the like the working men's clubs. Back in the day, same sort of principle. Yeah, yeah. It's just somewhere to go for people to go and enjoy music. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It might, it might exist, and this is part of the problem. You know, you don't, you just don't know about it. These days, we've got no excuse for social media, but maybe it is out there. We just don't know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Riot City. So yeah, do recommend those. Probably going to be, might be in my top ten. I think this year, um, and as well as Riot City. Riot, the old uh, New York heavy metal band. I've never really given Swords and to. Tequila. Uh, yeah, so the um, uh, what's it called? Yeah, the Thigh Down Under album from 1981. So that's again just old school, good fun, hard rock heavy metal. Good album. Yeah, it, it, it just seems really, seems to be where I'm at at the moment. It's just like the old school speed heavy metal, fast stuff. No, no black or death sort of enthusiasm. It's just exhilarating heavy metal what i do find confusing about that band though is their album artwork i yeah is it a seal i think it's a seal yeah it's a seal yeah they they yeah it's there's some there's some odd choices of album artwork there you've got a seal like a sumo wrestler with a plane in the background on the previous album and yeah i mean this is this is proper um worst heavy metal album sleeves of all time yeah, um, yeah, it's up, it's up there with that face. Yeah, absolutely, as uh, a magnificent album cover. That's like, <laughs> just, I mean, that's like Emerson Lake and Palmer esque nonsense. That's wonderful. How <laughs> oh, dare oh you my. suggest that progressive rock is nonsense? Oh my goodness me! That's like yeah, I've that's, heard of them, but I, and I've heard them some. I've never actually looked at the album covers. Why, goodness me! Yeah, that's <laughs> this, yeah. This that, could have been an episode it. on on its own. Well, after well after last week's episode, what I introduced um, Trigenza and Bean to. Yeah, I, I have I have wasted a few hours this week trawling through that website. I must admit, and the fact I I even found um, I even found that Cutty Sark album on vinyl oh. on HMV <laughs> of all places. Um, unfortunately, I hadn't had enough to drink to to warrant buying it. But yeah, not close. I'll, I'll get to them when I get to that year. I'll, I'm not listening to full albums. I might maybe I'll, I might challenge myself to here and there but i'm just sampling tracks at the moment because some 
some are just bloody awful um <laughs> some of these these bands but uh yeah i kind of want to i want to dive into that one properly with, with with a name and a cover like that yeah yeah i think so, so um <laughs> yeah um all right um right i started I made so go, go, going back to what Adam was saying earlier about like things that aren't metal that you've been listening to. So I, I made a playlist because I thought, I mean, I, I need something that's, you know, not metal. I made a playlist called Random Foolishness. Um, have you ever heard, okay, you, you guys must be familiar with Teardrop or Massive Attack, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I love Massive Attack. Big fan of Massive Attack. Absolutely. Yeah. Donkeys, have you ever heard the acoustic version by a guy called uh, Teardrop, Jose Gonzalez? Really good cover. I, 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 I may well have Jose Gonzalez. Yeah, because I think yeah. he did a uh, the knife's heartbeats. Yeah, as well. But like you know, also like you know, for example, um, I've got a load of John Coltrane on this one. Nice. Uh, Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, Muddy Waters, Champagne and Aretha, great song. I've been doing the I've been doing my um my test with the new teachers at work. So basically, what you do is you play the intro to Hits from the Bong. And if they say it's Dusty Springfield, son of a preacher man, they fall into the 80% category. This is how you this is how you categorize society. It's about an 80-20 split in my my you know my experience. 20% of people will say it's hits from the bong. 80% of people will say it's Dusty Springfield. The people that say it's Dusty Springfield, you don't have anything to do with those cunts. <laughs> like, they're not worth it. They're not worth the time. I'm not saying that Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield is a bad song. I'm just saying the people that say it's hits from the bong, these are the people I need to get to know, right? Um, what else was that? Papa was a Rolling Stone, great song. Fucking Blue Monday, New Order. Bit of... Um, was it Orgy's uh, version or was it the original? <laughs> the original. No, not, not the fucking George Michael version. Um, therapy. <laughs> what? what? I've, got, I've got Nat onto therapy now. What, what's she on therapy for? Is that being married to you or...? Yeah, yeah, but that and also Scream Major. Um, uh, Cream, not Cream, sorry, Free, Fire and Water, the album. Fucking nice, great song. classic. Great, great album. What else? Uh, Eurythmics, uh, Depeche Mode, mm. Cranberries. Yeah, loads of stuff on it. Aha, and then the real big fish cover of Take On Me, which is pretty cool. And then quite a bit of Bowie, like, like the non-obvious stuff. Um, so yeah, that's been my... I mean, I'm, I'm really getting into John Coltrane at the minute. I don't know why. It's just like you put it on, on the balcony, you have a bit of jazz going, fucking listen, drink some wine, um, and then you switch to, like, you know, Slayer. So, yeah, yeah, careful, because this, this is getting a little bit highbrow for my liking, so we, we need to dumb it down a little bit um, and talk about black metal bands playing in Bristol Waterstones. Um, Go on, then. <laughs> so I, I stumbled oh, One more thing. Kings it's never just Leon. one more fucking thing, is it? Kings of Leon. Oh. Raw. Um, which I want to come back to at some point, right? So basically, you need to tell people why the fuck is Padre holding up a toy plastic lion? I don't know. It's in my bag. I was teaching kids earlier. Um, but like metal songs that involve big cats. Can you think of any? I mean, Steel Panther is one of them. But yeah. any others? Scratch Fever. Anything no, by Tiger Pantang. Big, big. I mean, I'm talking about predators. I'm not talking about domesticated fucking kittens, though. Fuck's <laughs> <laughs> sake. Uh, I mean, Holy Diver goes on about riding a tiger, doesn't it? Um, I, I have I have the words ride the tiger tattooed on my ankle. So. Oh, there we are. So, uh, yeah. Oh, don't you see what I mean? 
exactly. Yeah. Um, um, the, the 1987 animated uh, Transformers film uh, had the, the the main theme from that is by a, uh, a hair metal band called Lion as well. Yeah, yeah. What you've got yeah, the touch. Yeah. Oh no, you took. Well, that is also on the soundtrack. That, that and Dare by Stanbush. Um, and I do have the soundtrack on vinyl. Um, <laughs> nice. Anyway, can I can I can I talk about black metal bands in a fucking bookshop? <laughs> yes, please. I'm intrigued by this. <laughs> So I stumbled on this on, on Twitter last week. This is a band called Wallowing, who are British, and it's kind of um, very, it's, it's, I suppose to the core it's black metal, but it's quite, it's a bit sort of proggy and a bit spacey and a bit out there. Um, there's an album out at the minute called Planet Loss, and it's, it's fucking nuts. But Waterstones, I think Waterstones as a, as a business have been doing these live shows and that in their, in their stores, but... This band turned up and played in Waterstones in Bristol, and it is the maddest fucking thing I've ever seen. So go and have a look at it on social media. Twitter, they've, they've put loads of videos on there, wallowing in Waterstones. And wallowing it, in Waterstones? Yeah. That sounds like an emo band. <laughs> <laughs> but it is fucking brilliant. And to be oh. fair, the music is, is really good. Like I said, it's big, epic Spacey black male. It's very which, extreme. Which, very which section of Waterstones did they play? I'm gonna look now. They're kind of like <laughs> classic white. Was it like the you know, the, the, the treaties of like Marcus Aurelius? Like I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping sci-fi. To be fair, it's probably, in the, probably the cafe. It's, it's, it's in the generic fiction section. Probably oh, there you go. enough room. But it's I mean, um, not even, even without the sound on. It's it's wonderful. It looks crazy, doesn't it? Is it is it, is it, is it just me or do people that generally work in like Blackwells and Waterstones? They're just a fucking shower of cunts. What the You're hell? On this film. Uh, I've always in, I've always enjoyed enjoyed the people in Waterstones. <laughs> yeah. I just like, like the fact there's always a sofa where you can just go and you know yeah. just sit down for a little bit. They they look like goth beekeepers. I remember. I remember. Yes. I remember at university. Black metal beekeepers. I remember at university going into like um, Waterstone Drive to buy a book in the first year that was set a text. And I had like a voucher for like 25 quid off or something. And um, I get, you know, I, I've got my two or three books. I give them the voucher and they go, we can't accept that. I'm saying, why? It's fucking Waterstone. What, what are you want about? And they're like, mate, this is Blackwell's. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Fucking hell. Didn't um, read the voucher, did I? Went back to Blackwell's. What happened? Fucking sold out. First world problems. Um, so, yeah, there was that. Uh, also, I've been listening to uh, all the bands that are playing the Krampus Rumpus on December the 10th at the Dev in Camden. So the Grey, um, who, who are, I can't admit, amazing. Adam, you'll like them, definitely. Um, very, uh, it's, it's, it's doom, essentially, but it's got a bit of that kind of cult lunar feel to it, sort of long drawn out songs and that. Dunes. Um, who are very much sort of Kaiasi type, yeah, you know, desert rock kind of thing. Cthulhu, who are a two-piece doom band. And I, I must admit, I do love a two-piece. Um, just a couple of bits on Instagram that are really good. And Trevor's Head as well, who, uh, yeah, and same sort of thing. But we keep saying every week now, get down to that if you're in London that weekend, because it's going to be good fun. And there's some really good bands playing um, and The Grudge too. So, uh, yeah, and, and we'll um, no doubt be making absolute tits of ourselves. I have found some Christmas metal songs to play. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Is it all Twisted Sister? Uh, some of it's Twisted Sister. Yeah, there you go. 
There was there was a uh, um, uh, We Wish You a Metal Christmas album that came out about 15 years ago as well, um, with some tip, you know, just very Twisted Sister kind of vein, actually, like, you know, just, it's just, well, this is a Christmas song, but it's kind of metaled up. But there are two absolute standouts, which was God Rusty Merry Gentleman by Dio and Tony Iommi. Very, oh, yes. very awesome version. And then Silent Night, which was um, Chuck Billy from Testament doing his best sort of 90s Testament death metal period with, uh, and then Scott Ian from Anthrax on guitar. And it's just uh, Silent Night by those two. It's wonderful that's yeah that's incredible it's great it's great that's incredible and um talking of incredible um we need to talk about Ches Kane yes (laughs) (laughs) I stumbled across her music a while back and thought yeah this is this is really good this is really enjoyable but then sort of left it and then Anthony brought her up again this week and I've kind of gone back over it and there's a second album out now as well and um, so she's she's Welsh, and she's um, very much living the uh, the the Lita Ford dream. I think is the yeah is the way I look at it. But yeah. to be fair, the songs are absolute bangers. It is. It's, it's just like a festival lineup of of Lita Ford, Heart, yeah, circa eighty seven. Bit of fucking Lee Aaron in there as well, Metal Queen, that yeah. kind of thing. It's B- just awesome. Nixon. It's just. Yeah, can I just interject? He's definitely smoking camels. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Looking at her pictures and the fact she's on Frontiers is, uh, you know, and you say things like heart, then I'm like, yeah, well, I may be leaving the podcast earlier and just spending my night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's on the perfect label. Yeah, music she does. But it, mm. to me, look, it's brilliant. Some of the songs are like prime '80s Desmond Child. Oh. They're, they're 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 just unreal. They're just great big it's, choruses, saxophone in there as well in some places. Big guitar solos. It's got the full. You'll be doing exactly that. You will be pulling that fist. Yeah. To it. And I think it's like you know what's what's working for me is because I'm I'm into the synthwave stuff. You've got artists who do stuff with a lot of synthwave artists, but they're not synthwave artists themselves. Yeah. So you've got vocalists like Ollie Ride and Nina, uh, um, Jesse Fry, I think, um, who, yeah, it's, you know, they might do some of that stuff, but they're, they're mainly vocalists who specialise, I suppose, in retro pop, mainly the 80s, from what yeah. we've seen. Yeah. Um, and Chairs Kane fits very nicely into that, um in that scene from a rock perspective it's great i've got i've got so, so much time for it yeah. and, look the, the 80s is all about feel good when it comes to music anyway so anything that's kind of embodying that it's over the top it's quick. just yeah you know so um so yeah yeah i, I urge everyone to go if you're feeling a bit pissed off and a bit miserable that's exactly the type of music to go and listen to because <laughs> it will cheer everybody up love it absolutely love it one of the finds of the year Anyway, enough of my waffling. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would just like, I, I would just like talking to, to waffling. Fucking hell. I would just like to refer <laughs> back to what what I've missed. So I was like listening to the podcast the other week. You were talking about Metallica, Two Nights at Donington. Yeah. So, I mean, Adam, how do you feel about that? Well, I won't be able to go to the Thursday anyway, and knowing my luck, I'd end up go into the set with because I've seen Metallica play every song I want to hear from them 
this, yeah, this this is it, isn't it? Apart from the god that failed, because I missed like I missed that when they when they played the black arm all the way through. I was uh uh you know how I was the other week. That's what I was like 10 years ago. So I missed that. But I just like, yeah, just I'm just I said after download 2018, I'm never going again. And then the next year, Tool got announced. I was like, oh, fair play, download. You've, you've pulled the blinder there. So there was that. But uh, I'm just not interested. Like, I have to be a very, very special, you know. And it, it's sad because Metallica are like, you know, one of, if not my favourite band ever. And, um, you know, just, just to, to be so sort of like, oh, I suppose I was going to trudge. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a... It's a cool thing, and hopefully it will just you know they, they, it gives them because they have got so many songs they can play, and you know you always go you always watch Metallica and go oh, I wish I played that I wish I played that. So seeing them over the two nights would be you know you're going to get everything you want hopefully. But uh, um, yeah, it's, um, I, I I I agree with you, and I think it would be cool. And I you know if if I was going, I would definitely go and see them you know both times. And um, you're right, they've got so much stuff to play. There's a couple, there's quite a few songs that I mean I've seen them. Four or five times, and there's some songs that I've never seen them play. Um, so I think that would be pretty cool. But like, I mean, I remember that Trigenza and Bean were saying last week that you know if they did it, like we're just going to play the first three albums in one night, and then maybe we're going to play a more eclectic set on the on the second night. That would be pretty cool. Um, I, I mean, I do have kind of doubts about like what is Metallica aside, nothing to do with them. But what does it say about Donington, are they are they are they scraping the barrel? Oh, massively! I think we're going to come on to that later. You know, I think it's just like, well, how? You know, they, they, it's been one, it's been that ongoing thing for years and years and years now. It's like that that sort of headline. You know, where are the headline is going to come from, really? Because um, once Metallica, Maiden, you know, how much more? How much longer has Slipknot got? Um, you know, uh, once once those go, it's just like, well, are they just going to have to scale back download or just say, okay, we'll have a a bigger festival, but with you know less multiple stages, which yeah, is what we more, yeah. Yeah, yeah we did the entire episode on it. Well, we? you do you do you do a smaller you do a smaller scale festival, but you do it in different parts of the country over a month or something. So you play in the north of England, you do the southeast, you do the southwest or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know if that would even be cost effective because obviously these things cost a lot of money yeah. to put on. And the reason why you want Metallica or Maiden is because you know you're going to sell. 65,000 tickets and you're going to make even if even after you pay them the million and a half or whatever pounds it is to get them to play in the first place you're going to make a killing but it's like what we said in what was it like you know the, the fifth episode of the podcast what happens when the big dogs like it was quite, yeah it was quite early on like, yeah and, and it's it's a, it's a valid point because they are all getting to a point where at some point it's going to come to a stop we don't probably talk in five six years and and you know yeah. And this brings me on to something we'll talk about in a little bit is um, Dave Mustaine's been talking about doing one final big four and then handing it over to another big four. Um, But we'll we'll talk, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll come back to it, but it's that whole point. Someone's got to hand over the baton. And and it's got to be, it can't be far away. Can't be far away. What I think will happen with like a band like Metallica. And I think Megadeth will be the same. They'll retire. And it won't be like Black Sabbath where they'll play their last ever gig and then the next six months later they'll fucking be back on it. And But they will come out of retirement at some point and they were very limited, like maybe one show, two shows per country because they know that the fact that they've come out of retirement, they can charge more for the tickets. 
and they're going to fucking rake it in. Because, like, you know, the end, and, and, you know, and they'll do it probably because they miss it. I mean, especially a band like Metallica or Megadeth or any of those, like, thrash bands from the 80s, they made their bones touring. They weren't getting the radio support. That's how they got their audience. So if you're going to tour that relentlessly, like they did on the Black Album and stuff like that, you've got to love it or at least be able to tolerate it. Um, so when they finally hang up their their guitars and stuff, are they going to just be in a position where they're like, oh, I kind of miss this, or, or you know, I want to do like one more show, or I want to do another tour? Um, or are they just going to be like, no, we're done. We, we're going to, we, we've had, because like, you know, if you're someone like James Hetfield or Dave Mustaine, you, you've paid a heavy price to be on the road that long. You've got issues of alcoholism or substance abuse, or you've, like, in Dave Mustaine, you've, you've turned into a bit of a, uh, an even bigger twat than you were before. Like, and, and, and at what point do they just stop making albums? Because it's like, again, it's like, it's like how, when, when do you stop being able to relate to people they're 18? I mean, they're in the fuck, they're in the 60s now, in the late 50s. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk was 60 the other day. Yeah. yeah okay. So it's like, you can't relate to them anymore. So writing songs is more of an academic process. It's not a case of like, you've got something to say anymore. No. So why no. say it? Maybe, well, maybe, 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 maybe there's an element of catharsis for them. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, tell you, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Adam, you have our underground band of the week this week. Ding, 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 boom. I'm not sure actually how underground they are. I mean, they did release a couple of albums on, on the Massacre uh, label, but uh, Infernal Tenebra, who are from Serbia, um, uh, just released a, a self, um, uh, an ind- independent album. Um, just and it's uh, produced by uh, Jens, Jens Borgen. Um, uh, so you, it just sounds big and clean and clinical. And it's like, um, we'll probably come on to a bit of the, um, talk about a bit about decapitated later, but if you just like, like that kind of technical, but also kind of you know, like a hooky sort of death metal, it's just just very, very well done. Um, just really, really like it. Um, sorry, I didn't even put the, the name of their new album down there, but um, yeah, whoop, that's, Thanks for me doing that. But I had uh, um yeah, I, I had a quick listen this week. Origin of hate. That's the one. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's what that's what I listened to. Um yeah. And, yeah, I like it. It's got a bit of um bit of a god dethroned feel about it. There's even a bit yeah. of, there's, yeah. there's a little bit of classic in flames in there at times as well. It's yeah, it's, they got that melodic that like you said, that, melodic, that's, yeah. There's, there's definitely yeah. hooks on there for sure. So um, but you know, it's uh I I think you know, like I said, um Decapitated are one of these, uh, like I just think they're very like in a league of their own. I don't think they sound, you know, they, they have elements of lots of different bands, but I think you just listen to them, you you know it's them, which I think is a very um unique thing in like a, a genre like death metal. So to have someone like kind of like, oh yeah, well I, that's you know I, I hear a lot of that in there. I yeah. like I'll, I'll I'll definitely be be interested in them. So um, yeah, that's my Instagram band of the week, Infernal Tenebra. Go and uh, go and check them out. Facebook.com slash Infernal Tenebra. Um, and I'll um, I'll put stuff out over social media in the coming days as well. Um, I'm sure they've got a band camp, which is always a great source for listening to music. So yeah, go yeah, and check them out. Um, right. What else has been going on this week? A couple of things I, I want to bring up. Um, 
So apparently, well, not apparently, there is a new Bruce Dickinson album on the way. It's the first one since Tyranny of Souls, I think the last yeah. one was, which has got to be 20 years ago. 2005 for Tyranny of oh, Souls. Was it? Okay. Really? I, I, I thought it was older than that, to be fair. Um, yeah. But that well, was. I, I thought he did one in between somewhere, not, not recently, but certainly maybe 10 ish years ago. Yeah, no, he did, he did a film. Um, he did Chemical Wedding, which was a couple of years after that, but that was the, the same name as an album. There was obviously before Tyranny of Souls. Yeah. yeah, that was 99, I think, that well, that album. 98. Yeah, so he's got a new one on the way. Um, Roy Z, who's been playing guitar with Bruce Dickinson for Donkey's Years, has been raving about it. Um, uh, I, I got to say, I think Bruce Dickinson would be a perfect Sunday night headliner for Bloodstock next year. Oh, mate, that's absolutely a good Absolutely perfect. I've never seen a Bruce Dickinson solo show. And yeah. I love his music. Yeah, there's a few iffy moments in there. You know, we won't talk about the Skunk Works album. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I am batting for Skunk Works. Sorry. <laughs> I will not hear a bad word said against that album. Yeah, all right. All right, fair enough. But um, but even so, you know, I, I would love to see him live. And I think closing closing Bloodstock 2023 would be perfect. So if uh, if they can make that happen, that would uh, that would be great. Imagine um, Tears of a Dragon last night at Bloodstock. That'd be wicked. It would be, wouldn't it? That'd be great. I'd enjoy it. Absolutely. He'd probably would he end with Tattoo Millionaire, maybe? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I think my probably my, my favorite, my favorite one of his songs is probably Born in 58. I think yeah. it's, lyrically it's brilliant. It's just it's Bruce Dickinson all over that song. It's, it tells a story. It's just it's just so so good. But he, he, you know, he's a great songwriter, and there's he's just got so many great songs and you talk about tattooed millionaire. When you think about it being about Nikki Six, and then you listen to the lyrics, it's just, it's just perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, just, just not his cover of all the young dudes, which is. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah we'll leave, we'll leave that one. We'll leave that one. But um, what about his cover of Elected? I didn't. Did he cover that? Yeah, with Mr. Bean. Oh Jesus, fuck yeah. right. <laughs> it's a bit like you know, like. Um, have you, ever, have you ever tried to sit through the, the Star Wars Christmas special that came out about about a year or so after Star Wars? And it's just it's 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 basically hidden from all existence because it's yeah. so it's so bad. It's so there's bad. a running joke because Marvel have just done one for Guardians of the Galaxy, which was oh, which was really? out today. It's oh, all right. Really? It's it's actually you know you've got a couple of pleasant surprises on the soundtrack actually Christmas wise. But yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's nothing amazing, but this sort of running joke that oh, is it is it going to be intentionally as bad as star wars for a laugh because of what it is but no yeah i think i think in terms of definitely in terms of the uh whatever you regard of maiden's kind of discography uh, and bruce Dickinson's discography and steve harris's solo stuff solo stuff that that mr bean's bruce dickerson cover is is the star wars christmas special of, <laughs> of 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 the iron maiden pantheon yeah um talking of sort of self-indulgence um, you see, I'm on. I'm segueing again. He's, he's, he's doing it. lovely. I love a yeah. tenuous link. It's fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is a proper tenuous link. Um, and, I, and I know this isn't strictly metal, but obviously a lot of metal fans are into Pink Floyd and stuff. And I, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, yeah. so I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, Roger Waters has done a, a new version of Comfortably Numb, which for me is probably Pink Floyd's best sort of seven and a half minutes. It's almost perfect. Easy. It's got yeah the most incredible guitar solo on the end of it. You know, it's brilliant. So he's done this new version. Um, there's no guitar solo at the end of it. And it's accompanied by this, this sort of haunting video. 
Um, instead of a guitar solo, there's some female vocals, which get to a point where I, I'm pretty sure when I was listening to it, our cat ran out the door. Um, <laughs> it, it's just absolute self-indulgent wank on the highest level, and it needs to fucking stop. Dreadful. It is just ruining one of one of Rock's <laughs> greatest songs. I mean, let's face it, Roger Waters. Roger Waters going off a deep end mm. and producing bollocks at the moment. That's nothing new, is he? He's, he's fallen right off the... He needs to go off the fucking deep end. And also, someone have a word with him. Ollie Murs is supporting him on his UK shows. What the fuck is that about? What the fuck has that man done to warrant supporting someone like Roger Waters? Just he's, he's like, hey, Roger, I, I really like your new version of Comfortably Numb. And Roger's like, wow, <laughs> someone did. You can come and support me. You're the only he's, person who likes it. Yeah. He's very much into the whole um, conspiracy theory, anti-West, anti-Ukraine thing at the moment. Well, fuck he's, it. I mean, fucking Roger Waters, on the unlikely chance that you're actually listening to this, um, get your head out of your ass, stop doing shit like this, and just go out and play the songs that people want to hear, or don't bother. Yeah. Which is, oh, and can we have an apology for Final Cut? Yes, yeah, definitely an apology for Final Cut because that was a bag of shit as well. So you're the problem, not David Gilmore. He does a lot. He, basically, he's done very, very... How when did he leave Pink Floyd? Late late 70s? Um, and well, he's just, just after the wall, essentially, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And basically, he's just spent that time, like, touring Pink Floyd songs and doing very, very well. Yeah. You know? just It's not like Jimmy Page who's literally done, like, what, one album since Zeppelin broke up and that's it. Like it's just like he's just a very good. Just why, why, why just befoul your own legacy? Exactly. You know, by just, just, just you know, you play comfortably. You know, pretty much at the end of every song, every show you play, and it's the highlight of the show. Everyone loves it. Great. Just don't, you know, don't ruin it. Yeah, and you know, I, mean, I saw Roger Waters a few years ago at Wembley Arena, and he, he was amazing. And yes, he ended with Comfortably Numb, and he had Nick Mason on drums for a couple of songs as well, and all that kind of thing. And it was very, very cool. It was an amazing performance. It was sonically mm. perfect, all of that. But stuff like this now, it's just, it's just one step too far and it needs to stop. And I'll, I'll leave it there. I won't talk about it. Yeah, it's fine. It's pissed me off, but yeah. I might get that on, I might get the wall on vinyl for Christmas. That's just me speaking out there, but yeah, that's just... Um, yeah, treat, treat yourself. Treat, treat yourself, yourself, yeah. I've just got, I just got a um, medal recently. Um, quite honest. Uh, yeah, I've just been listening to that a lot, actually, but... In my uh, my local secondhand record shop, I was in there on um, Sunday and I did notice he had an awful lot of Pink Floyd stuff in there, but uh, sort of 20, 25 quid a pop, I couldn't yeah. couldn't justify, you know, it's, they're always expensive. Mm. I do need to go to that shop. I think I'm sort of trying to make a point of going there. Yeah, check it out. And, you know, I'll, I'll oh, give a shout out as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, um, Sugarbush Records in Tunbridge Wells in Kent. Um, as far as metal goes, not a massive amount of, of metal per se, but... It's just got so much stuff in there, and it's all really reasonably priced. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll find stuff. I always do. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely find stuff. But yeah, if if you're into classic rock and, and sort of prog rock and soul and funk and disco and that kind of thing, it's, the shop's brilliant. Thousands and thousands and thousands of secondhand records over three floors. That's three floors. Three floors. Yeah. Jesus. The entire, the entire top floor is just seven inch. <laughs> Christ. So that's, yeah. that's like Beano's. Yeah, it is, God bless it. It's, it's an amazing shop. So if you're, if you're in that kind of... Is that what she world, said? Check it out. No, she never said that. Um, anyway, let's, let's leave Roger Waters there. That was starting to annoy me. 
Um, the Pantera reunion is starting to gather a bit of pace now. Seen some photos and that on social media rehearsals and and I think the the first couple of shows are sort of coming close. How are we how are we feeling about it now then? Because all the European shows are being announced. They haven't been added to download yet, which is weird. So, because they're playing it's Anselmo. Of, it's, it's Anselmo, Rex Brown, Charlie Bernante from Anthrax, and Zach Wilde. So you've got, you know, you, you if you're going to choose two musicians to do it, that's a pretty good shout. You know, they have the pedigree. But... This, this, this is the thing, right? If you're going to reform a band and, like, you've got one one member that just will not join you and then the other one's passed away or you've got two or three members that will absolutely not be want, want to be involved in it, I think it's not, it's not going to be the same. But if you've got the same singer... Zach Wilde is a good enough guitar player to really go away and study what Dimebag did and be able to replicate it. It might not be 100% the same, but it will be like 90% the same. He's already he's already said that don't expect him to sound like Dimebag because he won't sound yeah, like Yeah, yeah, and, and, that, and that's fair enough. But if Anselmo can get his shit together and, you know, sing properly and not get fucked up all the time and actually take his job fucking seriously, then it, they're at least going to, like... 75% sound like Pantera. Well, apparently he is um, cleaning up his act. I mean, we, we don't okay, know. So, so, all, great, great. But it's just like, it's just like, you know, that band should never have gone the way they did in the first place. It was so fucking stupid and juvenile. And then yeah. once you get to the point where someone gets shot dead on stage, there's no coming back from that. You know, no, especially when it's when it such an integral part of the band. But I think the, the first the first live shows are coming up quite soon. The festivals in in sort of Mexico and South America. But Adam, how how do you how do you feel about the whole whole thing? Because they are to be fair, they are saying this is not a Pantera reunion. This is a celebration of Pantera's music. They shouldn't have called it Pantera then, should they? I th that like, did cross like, my mind. The, the one, for example, last in line is like a tribute to Dio. It's not, yeah. it's not called Dio. And then you got uh, Death to All. Not a it's basically a tribute to death, yeah. you know, but it's not, you can't have death. It's just like, Pantera were my, the band that got me in the metal. Seeing um, on Tommy Vance's VH1 rock show in, what, 98, whatever it was, seeing Cemetery Gates, I was just like, what on earth is this? This is amazing, you know? And, you know, like I said earlier, being devastated when Dimebag died. And it's just like, it's. I love Zach Wilde. I love Anthrax. Um, it's just, I don't. I, I I wouldn't go and see it, you know. It's like if people if people really want to experience it. Awesome, but like he's it's trying. Just, he this is this for him. He's trying to make up. He's trying to make up for two people who were dead and like you know just never forgave him. You know, if um, um if if you're at a festival and they're playing, are you going to watch them? No. Wow. I would. I I feel very quite strongly about this. You you I would just, act. I, you would actively avoid it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I couldn't. I, it just it's it just leaves me in a really really bad taste in my mouth. I can't. I, I, and, and again, I, I like I said, if people are into it. Great, and people want to go see it. That's that's on them. That's cool. But for me, it's just I can't. If I, I was at a festival and they were playing, I would go and see them. But I, I would give them very very short shrift. I, I would have a very low tolerance. If the minute they did something that I didn't like, I'd be like, "Fuck this, I'm off." Yeah, you know, yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would just be like, "Whatever, this is not Pantera." I'm, I'm you know, give them. Fair, you know, give them a chance, but it's a very fine line between the minute you do something that I don't like, fuck it, I'm off. 
do what you want to do, fine, you know, but this is not the band that I saw Oz Fest 98. You know? Yeah, see, this, this is my problem. Where, where I sit is, I only saw Pantera once when they were touring Reinventing the Steel and they just weren't very good. They oh, really weren't very good. And yeah. it was a massive disappointment to see a band that you love for so many years and, and they, they just, yeah, they, they were, and someone was wasted. The whole thing was just a bit of a mess. So, I mean, they probably will get added to the download bill. I can't mm-hmm. see them being the final headliner for Bloodstock because it's in August. But if they if, if that transpired to be the case, I'm going to watch them. But I think I'm, I'm with Padre on this. I think if they did something I didn't like, I'd be off to the bar. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. That's, that's you know, I, I'm glad you're kind of forgiven and stuff like that. I think maybe if if Vinnie Paul had been live, I'd have I'd have done it. You know, and actually, if um, I'd have got and I've been fine. But like, maybe what did sorry, what did they do that was so bad that they couldn't patch it up? Oh, they just well, they were just. Basically, it was, you know, let, let's leave Rex Brown out of it because he was kind of just almost a peripheral figure. But, it, you know, it's just like Phil was a mess. And, you know, for and even now, even though he's kind of that, he's just he just strikes me as a just deeply unpleasant human being. And, um, and uh, you know, and, and you got the Abbott <laughs> brothers who just and they just didn't get on and it just went all again. I always think like, yeah, what, what goes on that you can't patch up? But, you know, maybe... Maybe I'd, it's one of those great what ifs, you know, being a being a historian, you go, well, what if? It's like, well, what if Dimebag hadn't got got murdered? You know, like, would would they have eventually patched it up and we would have seen a proper reunion? Well, you never know. They'll never know. But, I mean, you know, for fuck's sake, if Guns N' Roses can get back together. Yeah. Well. Um, and, and you, you know, and even, even fucking Pink Floyd can tolerate each other long enough to play like G8 or something. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, it's just, sort of, you're, you're dealing with, it's going to sound really harsh, but you're dealing with emotionally stunted people that are too stubborn to recognise that the fact that they've done wrong. And I don't know if it, if it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. Mm, yeah. But if you had an important if you had an important relationship in your life for a long time and it broke down, you're going to lose something from your own life. And there's got to be a time where you think, okay, enough is enough. This needs to be patched up. Even if you're to the point where you're not like slagging each other in the media or you're, you're able to be in the same room and just be civil and just be like, oh, how's it going? How's your family? That kind of stuff. That then, it's a, it's a, wasn't it like, I think it was the other week on the pod, you were talking about um, like, you know, how Judas Priest got back together and there was that initial meeting. I, and I, I, was just, I was just about to talk about that. KK Downing, you know, we spoke about last week back back in Priest. And, and since then, Rob Halford has said how good it was to have him back in the band. So... That, that's where it all starts, isn't it? So chances mm-hmm. are, when Priest and X back out on tour, they're going to go out with three guitar players. They're going to go out with, with Andy Sneap, Richie Faulkner and KK Downing, and they're just going to yeah. do the whole fucking thing. And the other thing as well, I think on, 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 a, on a slightly different note, but in, in the same thing, a lot of people rag on Metallica about, about the, 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 the some kind of monster video, but that was a band that really put themselves out there in the firing mm-hmm. line and, and said, look, we've got fucking issues and this is how we work them out. And that takes fucking balls to, to put that kind of emotional pain in public domain and have it out there for in perpetuity. It's never going to go away. Anyone can go back and watch that fucking film. He's left the band. The bit where... He's left the fucking band. Yeah, yeah. But also, <laughs> also the bit where Lars is like, when I look at you, all I can think of is fuck. Or James Hetfield's like, you know, fuck you, slam the door, whatever, fuck off. You know, 
And for them to do that says a lot about them, that they were they were happy for that film to be released because it's fucking warts and all, and it doesn't make them look good. But what you do get at the end is you can go through this kind of very, this emotional roller coaster where you've you've not dealt with your feelings about people that you consider to be your brothers and you can come out the other side and you can actually patch up a relationship and become stronger from it because of, because of the process you've gone through. Yeah. And yeah, I suppose when you look at you it, know, it's like, so, so I, I I'm, I'm dead against it. Um, just because, again, like I'm, I always think I never got. I've seen all the members of Pantera in various bands, but I never actually saw Pantera. I missed, I missed that reinventing the steel gig in Newport, which, by all accounts, as as you said, just horrible. Yeah. Like people I, was yeah. I, I was there. You're lucky. Yeah. I, I was there. Um, and I, so I've kind of, even though Phil Anselmo has, you know, like I said, just done a lot of things to tarnish a legacy. I still have, I still have their music before then and it's it's there and it's still golden and stuff like that i just think seeing seeing this which i just think would be a bad crap it would be a roger waters new version of comfortably numb compared to the old version that's just how i see it and i don't want to you know i, I hold that band in in very very you know very very close to my heart and the music and stuff like that and i just think i don't want to you know it's and it's on flimsy legs because yeah. of phil you know yeah, and and I don't want to just I just don't want to, to I just don't want those eggs to crack. And I I say all power to him. If people are really really excited about it, awesome. You know, like I said, love Charlie Benante, love Zach. Uh, never had a problem with with Rex and stuff like that. And actually really enjoyed loads of Phil's other work outside of Pantera and stuff like that. But I'm like, yeah, it's just it's just a bit too. There's too many there's too many factors going on there that could make it just. They've already booked a lot of European festival shows next yeah, year, yeah. And, and that's going to be a tough run. They they mm. need to hold it all together. Yeah, and Selmo's got to be professional, you know, otherwise it will just fall apart. Yeah. So yeah, and talking of reunions, um, we're just I just want to ask a quick question because I think this is something we will come back to in a future episode and talk about it in a in a lot more detail, um, because Dave Mustaine this week has said that. He wants Slayer to reunite so they could do one last big four concert. Personally, I'd prefer a tour and then hand over to a new big four. All I'm going to ask the three of you, though, is. Is there potentially another big four? And do you ever see this happening? No and no. Frame, frame, frame it this way. What criteria are you using to identify the next big four? Is it just what he thinks? Is no, there a this, consensus? This is what I mean, we, 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 I think we will talk about this in more detail on, on a separate episode because this is, this is a fairly big talking point. The fact he said they want to hand it over to another big four, before we know it, you know, if Lars has got anything to do with it, it'll be fucking Avenged Sevenfold. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bigger subject. All I'm asking is, do we think it's possible? How how can you market another big four? Yeah, you know it just. I, I think I, I know we've used it as when we're talking about other topics and for a laugh, but it's I think this concept of a big four. It's 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 a fresh thing, mm. and it's almost like um, you know that, that that that's a thing that defines fresh, um, and it's and its own history. And I think they're quite. I think Mick Mustaine especially is quite pleased with himself in that regard. Um, so you're oh, big four. I'm one of the big four. Hey, um, it's no, it's it's not a thing elsewhere. 
No. I know grunge maybe because you could, but um you see it popping up and everyone tries to shoot on it. So you get like the big four of German thrash, you get the big four yeah. of Swedish death metal, you get the um and you know, people tried to do the whole big four of you know the the new wave of American heavy metal slash, you know, whatever that whole sort of mid-noughties kind of thing was. Uh I've heard people try to talk about the 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 big four of Florida death metal and stuff like that. It's just this, it's this, it's sort of become this weird sort of you know, well, like like topic and stuff like that, I remember. But it's right. it's it was just unique for those bands. You know, they could have had a big five for testing. You're right, it's unique, but it's like whenever there's a fucking political scandal, it's fucking so and so gate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, totally like that. It, it, it's it's the same fucking thing. And you know, it's it, it, and it goes back to I think I, I don't know what episode we talked about this on, but it's it's lazy journalism. Is that the best analogy that you can come up with that, oh, it's another big four? Like, yeah. stop trying to categorise everything with something that came before it because it's yeah. not relevant. No. You know, that was a specific period and a specific set of bands that played with each other, that played off each other, that competed with each other, that pushed each other, and it will never happen again. Right, well, leave, leave it there. And we'll we will we will dedicate an entire episode to this because it's something that could that, you know will will create arguments, especially if um, if beer has been taken. Um, to round off this week, I'm going to hand it over to Adam next because it's something you want to bring to the table. Which <laughs> I, I, I I've I've been thinking about this ever since you put it forward, and it's and it's really it's it's driving me nuts. So, <laughs> so go on, awesome. You, you, you do your thing. That's what I kind of do. It's, it's it's actually kind of like along that sort of like, you know, who, who would be in like a big four nowadays in terms of like the last 10, 15 years. So when I started writing for Hammer in, um, when's that? It was April 2007, 2007. So I wrote from a couple of months and then we kind of got this email around saying like, okay, the, the review section this month makes it sound like it was the greatest month in metal history because everything was just like basically nine out of 10. So we got these kind of like they tried to make it out like um like the football ratings in the Guardian, if that meant anything. So like even like the best player every week would probably only get seven out of ten. So they tried to make it like six out of ten was like a, a decent album, pretty good. Seven out of ten, very good album. Eight out of ten will basically absolutely be in your top five at the end of the year, and you'll still be listening to that one for years to come. Nine out of ten is the undisputed album of the year. And you only literally give 10 out of 10s to rain and blood. Like nothing will ever be the same. It's just, that is, that is, you know, a game changer, like complete like landmark release, you know? And it's, it's kind of reverted back to types. So again, you just get loads of eight, eights and nines and stuff, but I, I try and stick to it when I do my reviews. And so in the 15 years I've been writing for Hammer, I've only given like a couple of nines. Um, uh, and I've, I've never actually given out a 10. And um, even though I think, you know, looking back, I could definitely think, right, obviously not including Raiden Blood, I could think of a couple of albums from the 90s you give out 10, 10 out of 10 to, a few albums from the noughties. Um, you know, I could think of like perfect albums, game changers. You can just you you, hear their influence. On, on, on a, can I just ask you a question? As a journalist, you're reviewing stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you shy away from giving something 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 10 out of 10, because you think it might discredit the objectivity of your own opinion mm. because your readers might say 
fuck, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So like, you're not going to give something 10 out of 10. Even if you want to give it 10 out of 10, you might just pull yourself back and go, I'm going to give it an eight. Because if I give it, not that you're going to give everything a 10 out of 10. No. But you, it's like, for example, if like, it's like, it's like when you're, you know, we're, we're both teachers. So like, you know, you're going to mark someone's work. Yeah. You give one student an eight and you go, well, if I give everyone eight, he devalues it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, um, that's absolutely again, that. in, in, terms of, in terms of teaching though, or, or any any kind of like any job where you have some kind of external rubric or assessment scale for measuring the quality mm. or the the, ver- the veracity of something. Yeah. But like, if there was like some kind of document that you could refer to, okay, it did this, 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 and this, so it yeah, gets yeah, 10 yeah. 10. That, 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 that can't exist in art because no. art is subjective. No, it is so, totally, and that's and that's what people you've got to always got to remember, and that's 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 the ultimate crux of music. Really, is like yeah, one person's perfect 10 out of 10 album is is not the same for another person but yeah looking at you you have to be sort of like okay if you're going to give someone a 10 out of 10 yeah it has to tick all these sort of boxes of um you know so uh, like musicality like originality why? um you know things like that and it's sort of very difficult at the time to give so, so you might want to look back. another question why do it then why why do magazines do it why yeah. can't you just write a review and i read it and i go right he likes this album mm, i can yeah. infer from the language that he's used, that he really likes this album. Yeah. And I don't need to see a fucking four out of five stars or a gold star yeah. or a 10 out of 10. I've, I've read a review. Is it just because people are fucking lazy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, perhaps at the start. And they'd be like, okay, is this worth me reading? If it's three out of five or, or six out of 10 or something like that, you only really want to read things if they're nine out of 10 or one out of it's 10 like, to see what's happened. The live are, are reviews people, now, honestly, we, don't, we don't give actual marks out of 10 for live reviews. It's just... Yeah, like you said, you you write it, you know, because again, it's just like, well, how can you pair compare this thing you gave nine out of ten to the thing you give six out of ten to? It's just like it could be, especially on a like in a live environment, it could be like, you know, it could be raining outside. That affects how much you enjoy the gig. It could be uh, you could be by a really smelly person. That that you know that can that can internally make you change. You know, you could or you know, it's like um, uh, I don't know, just there's all these sort of different elements and stuff. Like that. So I completely I completely agree with you and again i think but i think this the thing now when it comes to that, that whole rating system is again it needs to be something that it's difficult to do at the time because you need to listen to it a few times you need to li- you need to li- revisit a year later two years later three years later and be like okay did this album that originally i thought was rubbish has that really 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 grown on me did this album i originally thought was spectacular is that really 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 like I actually just think that's pretty mediocre now and I don't really want to listen to it. So I think that's that kind of whole looking back. That's why even though, you know, like you might have, um, you know, the, I don't know, your, your, your classic rock magazines or, or anything like this, where basically you just look back and it's very, it's like this nostalgic trip. I actually think it's better. It's a better judge of, of art and stuff like that because you've had so much more time to grow with it and you can think about how it's influenced things and stuff like that. So that's, that's why I kind of, I brought this subject to the table really is just to have a, have a chat about it. Yeah, see, um, earlier this week I was listening to um, to another podcast called uh, Bangers and Mosh. Shout out to Bangers and Mosh. Uh, right, yeah. yeah, they were talking about 2010 to 2019 um, and like the, the best albums from that decade. Yeah, and and a lot of the point they were trying they were trying to make is that you know you, you kind of you might listen to something and you might enjoy it, you might love it, and then you might not listen to it again for two or three years, and then you go yeah. back over it and you appreciate things in a different way. Totally, mate, totally. So, you know, and a lot of it comes down to how old you are and where your tastes are at the time and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. 
this this whole sort of out of 10 thing you're right it's, it's yeah. completely subjective it might even yeah. even your, your mood at the time you listen to it totally. could even affect your your view on it so yeah. So, so that's the whole thing with the ratings. But the, the thing I was just, the, the kind of almost the subject I wanted to bring on to you is like, so if you are just going to say, Joe, let's look at things retrospectively and go, yeah, okay, we can say, yeah, you're master of puppets, you're raining bloods, you know, dirt. Um, uh, you know, I would go as far as things like, uh, um, obviously, right. uh, which is my favorite album ever. You know, I'd give, I'd give those like, you know, or even you go back to the wall, things like that, 10 out of 10 albums, like Purple Rainbow Prince, whatever. Okay. How many albums really in the world of metal over the last 10 years could you just say, do you know what? That is a perfect album. That is that is a game changer, you know? And it is, and I, I don't want to be one of these people that, that dumbs down it because like I said, I'm going to see four, four or five death metal bands on a boat tomorrow in Bristol and I can't wait. And they're really, you know, um, enjoyable. Uh, I think that's like that Cult of Lunar album I've been playing to death. Um, last few years, I think there's been absolutely brilliant albums, but just to put something on that sort of part over the last 10 years of just like, wow, like that has, you know, stopped me in my tracks on the way home the first time I listened to it. And actually this many years later, it still blows me away. It's just like, I can't, like I, I just for my own peace of mind, just really, just to have a discussion and be like, okay, what albums have done that since 2012, really? Because there's I only mean, one like, I can think from, of. So if you, you can... I, I, I really, I really like the Lowest Creature album. Dragenza put me onto it. I listened to the whole album. I fucking love it. We've interviewed the band. They're nice guys. They know what they're doing. And you want to, you want to see them to do well. You know, you want, you want to see them do well. Sorry. Uh, but am I going to go to someone who, who listens to me and go, you've got to listen to this, this is a 10 out of 10 album? No, you, you're not going to do that. You're just going to go, look, I think you might like mm. this. Um, if you're into this, I mean, I think a better way to say is, if you're into this, mm. you'll like this. Yes. Um, and fuck the, 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 the stars, the numbers and everything. It's like, you know, for example, if, if, if like, you know, a band like Metallica or Megadeth or whoever wins a fucking Grammy for metal, is it really going to make no. X amount of people go away and go, right, I need to fucking buy this record. It's the same way. Really, I mean, everyone says, oh, you know, if something gets nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, everyone's going to go and see it. Well, no, not really, because it depends on access. It depends on whether you can get to a cinema. It depends if you can afford the fucking cinema. You're probably going to download it illegally. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the, again, we're not doing, yeah, that's, and that's cool. We're not doing, you know, we're not, we're not kind of putting, trying to put these things on and just give it like a, you know, we've we got to give it some award or some of that. I'm just kind of literally as a, just to have a chat with you guys, just to see what I was the last 10 years, would you put up there with the likes of Year Rains and Bloods, you know, Republics, you know, have there been any? Is anybody you asking I, the wrong person? I think I'm going to, right, yeah. Go I've got on. a few thoughts on this because I think awesome. when I saw saw that thing on that doc, I was like, I was shocked at those rating types. types. So I've got some thoughts on those anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. But I mean, in some ways, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I've not quite been as buried in metal over the last 10 years as I was the previous 10, 15 years. And I, I'm playing catch up. Um, my favorite album of the last uh, 10 years, metal wise, is Prequel by Ghost. Cool. I love that album. Yeah. It's not a 10 out of 10. Um, I think Option Paralysis by Dillinger Escape Plan is up there as well for me, uh, as was The Dusk in Us by Converge. Like I say, it wasn't a massive metal decade for me, mm. um, but I love those albums, but they're not tens. And this is a, 
this is the thing. I'm I'm fine with ratings and stars. You know, for me, that's just part of it. It's mm. fun. I, I I do top ten lists. I I love all of that kind of stuff. For me, just as a fan, it's I'm ranking my 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 metal albums as I go through and and listen to them again. But you've got to bring objectivity into it properly. Totally. And this is the thing: is you can love an album. You can you know it can mean the world to to you. It doesn't make it a ten. No. Because you've got you've got. 10 means perfection. And we had this conversation a few weeks back with that Machine Head album mm. from this year. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a key thing is I've listened to it once. We've got opinions to it. It's good. It's not a 10 out of 10. And I, I, you, that's the thing you cannot devalue. We can, we can sort of have discussions about what constitutes 7, 8, and 9, mm. but a 10 should be perfection. Yes. You might get one a year. Yeah. Maybe two at an absolute push. But you can't be flinging those around left right and center and yeah for me there's no tens in the last decade someone else could probably argue for one or two i can't but you are talking perfection you are talking albums that are not not yeah not every song has to be great but you can't have any duds no most songs have to be great some could be good no duds the production has to be has to be spot on for it the timing has to be good it doesn't have it doesn't have to be short or long it has to be just right for the songs it just has to tickle the boxes positively and be great enough to collectively think you know what this can be classed as perfect and you've got very very few of those in history i you know even my favorite metal albums aren't tens because i can still find flaws with them mm. that just reduce them um i can i can i can a couple of them at a push but yeah they're not tens, yeah. so that's that's my thing. Is yeah. your your ten needs to be your your ten is special. Yes, seven, yeah. eight, nine. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have thoughts on how they should be defined, which we can come back to in a minute. Yeah, but a ten, no, yeah. that's a perfect, and you've got to be objective. Yeah, about but that. like, what's wrong with a seven? What's wrong with a six? What's wrong with a five? Because maybe there's an album and there's three really good songs off it. Yeah, like I think, fucking, you know, you look at the albums like. Look at look at some of the glam metal albums that went like platinum. Doctor Feel Good. There's probably three three decent songs on that album, and the rest of it's shit. <laughs> yeah, see, I think I don't think there's a bad song on that album, but there's only about three three or four great albums, uh, great songs rather. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, so, but it, it's it, it, it's 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 so subjective. Yeah, and the point. Why try and quantify the that which you, which you cannot quantify. But this, this, this is it. The point, the point Anthony made is, is about sort of ways of, of, of sort of looking at a review as, as, a, as a constructive opinion or things like how an album makes you feel. Yeah. Like, so I'll give you one, for example, um, Mastodon's Remission. When I first heard that, yeah. when it first came out, um, that album just, it, it blew me away because I'd never heard anything like it before. And it also opened my opened my music taste up to an awful lot of music that I hadn't heard before and, and and all this kind of thing. And I still hold that album in the same high regard now. And that's probably the closest for me personally to a 10 out of 10 album yeah. since the days of Appetite of Destruction, Master of Puppets, Rain in Blood, Power Slave, so on and so forth. So, yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a 10 out of 10 album across the board that it would appeal to everybody or, or anything like that. For me personally, it's very close. Yeah. I mean, you can have a 10 out of 10 death metal album, but most people are not going to like it because it's death metal. It's not meant exactly. to, you know, yeah. but it's not like, you know, you're talking about, I know, you know, you mentioned Michael Jackson's, I don't know. Imagine, you know, say 
thriller or something like that being a, if that was a, if that was presumed and most people do presume it to be a perfect 10 out of 10 album because of that that appeals to more people stuff like that but there's no way you know you can still have a, an amazing underground album you know but it's just different and different the, the real reason i put the six seven eight nine thing in in that document you know it's just that's just uh that's the kind of thing we were given and we were and we were given that parameters you know 10 out of 10s as Ant rightly said should be perfect they should be very very special so they shouldn't only come around very very you know very very infrequently so I would... that's the reason I put it. it wasn't to have all this big debate about what's you know subject of like that it's like okay as metalheads, the metal community, there are a couple of albums. I, you know, I mentioned Rain and Blood, or Master of Puppets, or, or like I said, Appetite of Destruction. That you just, they're on, they're on a pinnacle. They're up there. They're in this, this, you know, untouchable realm and stuff like that. Is there yeah, anything yeah. that in the last ten years that has come close to, you know, and they're they're, they're at the top of the mountain? You go, come on, you're almost here. You got it and stuff like that. You know, so I, I can't think of a single one. Not in the last ten years. Right. Well, there we are. I, I, to be honest, I'm with yeah. I'm with I'm with Anthony. I think Ghost Prequel is probably yeah. one of the closest. Yeah. But other than that, you you suggested that you you have one. I have one. Yeah. It? I mean, it, it, it was really cool hearing um, uh, Ghost mention because I I basically flicked through my top twenties of the year for the last ten years that I've written for Hannah. Yeah, Ghost was up. Um, Ghost was up there. Um, I really liked. Um, uh, Code Oranges from two years ago. I thought that was oh, really yeah. bad, real. Get that. Yeah. Just it just it was just so different and and a game changer. Um, uh, I actually one of the nines I did give out was for Anti Cult by Decapitated. Just had this brilliant, just individual death metal style that was really technical but groovy and stuff like that. But the one that like I'll just say look that is you know definitive game changer. Uh, perfect from start to finish actually like i said it stopped me in my tracks on the way home um like you know that i hadn't heard for so long was was actually the satanist by behemoth okay it, uh, i think it just came out the right time given everything that nurgle went through it just sounds so unique and just huge and hearing those songs like that and i i, I put it on the other day uh, just because i was thinking about it and i just thought this is and again just just looking back on it obviously at the time i thought this is incredible this is really something else, but actually now eight to 2014, like and I heard it at the end of 2013. So be nine years on to the first time. And it's just, it blows me away every time I hear it. And I would, that's one of the, again, that's the, as much as I want to say like Gojira are, I think the best metal band on the planet there in terms of their originality, in terms of their influence on people, um, their consistency and stuff like that. I think apart from, I think the best time is probably L'Enfant Sauvage. And I just, I, okay. if, if they put everything together, Gojira, everything that makes them great. And that one, I think that could be, that could be it. I think they're, I think they're like, again, like I said, they've been top of the metal game for such a long time. But I think just in terms of an actual album, has it, would I call any of albums, like, like Ant was going, like that perfection, that, that special album that you just, that, ev that elevates them to just that, that elite level. Um, I would say that hopefully that's still to come from them. But for me, the album, like I said, of the last ten years, that I would I would give a ten out of ten to. I think it's a game changer. I think it, and it made everything in before it not as good. And actually, everything since then, including their album this year, just be like, okay, this this doesn't hold a candle to it. I just thought the Satanist was just had everything. Then Capsi, what made metal great in especially metal in you know this the 21st century made it made it great so that was that's 
what I was getting at, really. And I need um, to go back and listen to that again, then, really, because I, yeah. I, I, I think when when we reviewed Bloodstock back in the summer, um, I, I I talked about Behemoth's recorded output and how I've never really been able to get into it. Whereas I've seen them live twice. Um, yeah. Once was at Bloodstock roughly ten years ago, and and this summer, and this summer they were one of the best live bands I've seen in recent years. Yeah. They were incredible. And it does, it does kind of make me look at their, their music in a different way. So I think I'm going to go back and, and listen to the Satanist again, because I've, I hear a lot of people rave about that album, like really yeah. rave about it. Like you just did. So I think when I listened to it at the time, I, I certainly wasn't in that zone, but I, I remember thinking, Oh, this, this is pretty, pretty damn good for what it is. Yeah, but yeah, just just wasn't for me at the yeah. time. So, yeah. and again, if but, you're not into extreme metal, you're just going to be like, well, this, you know, you know, if you're if you're thoroughly into, like I said, damn, it's got it's got that brilliant mix of death metal and and that black metal element and stuff like that. So, if you're into those fears and you like them combined, it is a you know, mm. a thoroughly good. And and some people might be like, actually, there's a load of you know, load of ten out of ten albums in the last ten years. And some people might be like, Do you know what, there hasn't been a ten out of ten album in. The, you know, since since the eighties, you know, and, that, and that's cool. It's just uh, basically this was purely a an exercise to just to just get your thoughts on it. I loved hearing what you had to say, and I thought I was that was great. And the same with you, same with you, Steve and Padre. So that, uh, I it kind of kind of was what I was hoping from the discussion. Really, it was more of a, a philosophical, theoretical debate. Really, and <laughs> are totally you um, are you happy to come back on in the new year, and we will dedicate an entire episode to what are the ten out of ten albums in metal, the genuine ten out of ten albums. Yeah, that would be that would be great, and then we can yeah, have a cool. and uh, maybe Shares Kane will be uh, one of these uh, once by the time I, I think come back, so. motherfucking power zone. I tell you, <laughs> I think I think for that one, I think let's get Adam on, and let's get Rob on. I don't want to share any time with Rob. <laughs> <laughs> you'll fucking share. You'll you'll share. You'll share the time that I expect you to share with Rob. The only that issue is if you get fucking if you get, street. If you get me and Rob on <laughs> to talk about perfect albums, we will hijack the podcast. It'll be too much grunge. Too much grunge. <laughs> you, you don't need, you don't know what you get into. This could be a half hour chat about hysteria. Um, <laughs> no, 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 not hysteria. <laughs> no, it's pyromania. No, pyromania. No, yes. Oh, there we are. Right. Oh, there, oh, there we are. We're already at log it. It's not going to be a good idea. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We we will one hundred percent come back to that in the new year. That's um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's something definitely worth talking about. I, I, I'm going to say just to end that. I don't think any journalist should give an album 10 out of 10 unless they think most of their colleagues would also give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Because I think it's that objectivity. You might really love it. You might think it's a 10. And that's fine. You might think that about a Machine Head album. Mm. Do your colleagues think that? Because yeah. you, it's a big deal. It's a yeah. very big deal giving an album a 10 out of 10. Or, or a film 10 or anything 10 out of 10, you know? So, uh, and especially just at the time. It's just like, I get, I get why they did Like, you know, as Padre saying, like, I don't understand why they do it. I, I get why they do it, you know, like to get to it for a film to say, oh, Mark Camo was giving this a five five stars, eight, 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 eight See, plus rating and stuff like that. It's it, it's important for the film, but I just, I think if, with if five, Mark Camo says something that's good, I tend to just disagree. I think with five, thing is with five star ratings, it's a bit more tricky because Kerrang obviously did that. Yes. And I think, you know, I remember in a review years ago, someone said, I, you know, I, I wouldn't call this classic, but it is essential. So it still yeah. gets the 5K. Yeah, you can't quite get that specificity with five Ks, but you can with tens. Yeah, but the thing is, is like someone like Mark Commode reviewing a film, he's doing it from a very academic point of view. Like he knows how to analyze a film, he knows how to detect 
storylines and tropes and and anything that's derivative, right? Because it's like he's been he's had so much practice at it. And there's probably journalists out there that can be like, okay, on the surface, this sounds like a good album, but once once you like once I apply everything I know about the genre that I'm reviewing, actually no, it's derivative or it's repetitive or it's it's been taken off this or it's 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 influenced by but they've they've not really done their own thing and it's like you know you 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 can watch you can go away and what like we could go away and watch a film like the usual suspects and be like that's a fucking great film and then someone can come along and be like actually i'm a film studies major and this this and this is great but this is is from this fucking obscure film from 50 years ago so that makes it less shit uh, or that makes it shit or that makes it less good. And that goes back in to what we were saying on the second episode of this podcast. It's fucking elitist. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, so you've, you've, you've literally got away and sat down and tried your damnedest to find something wrong. Why can't you just sit down and try your damnedest to just fucking enjoy it? And just like appreciate that there's someone out there because it's very easy for people to be like, you know, they've done this and they've done that. And it's, you know, it's not that good because they've, you know, they've copied it from this or they've been influenced by this. I don't give a shit. You're going to listen to a song, you're going to listen to an album and you like it. You like it. doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. You know, it's how it, how it makes you feel, how it, you know, how you respond to it emotionally, intellectually, whatever. Um, and, Basically, a review is a guide. You know, maybe you you listen to the album and you say, right, 90% of that review I agree with, but the 10% I don't agree with is the 10% why I like it. And, you know, and it's very easy for us to sit here and like fucking rag on like load. But there's probably people out there that like load and aren't going to really give us the time of day, you know? So it's... They're a necessary evil, I think, reviews. No, 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 no. Not reviews. Reviews are fine. What I'm, what I have an issue with is this arbitrary star system because it's like, okay, if you were, if you're working in a magazine and you have to go in front of a fucking council or a group of people and go, right, I've listened to this album and I think it's a ten out of ten, and you have to defend why it's a ten out of ten to five or six other fucking journalists, and they go, actually, no, this is an eight, this is a seven. Are you sure it's a ten? And it's like a thesis defense committee for like a post. No one will get anything done if you want to do that with every fucking. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying I want it done that way. I'm just saying it's based on what that person feels at the time. And have you ever seen someone review an album, give it a five out of ten, six months later, write a second review and go, I was completely wrong. That's a ten out of ten. That's a nine I'd, li- out of 10. I'd like to I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to yeah. see things revisited because like I said, you know, you can go back over something five years later or, and listen to it in a or, different way. Or go and see the band play that album live and just go, do you know what? It's shit on album, but it fucking works live. Fear no. of the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I pretty can, mess. I can think of a I can think of a couple of albums, certainly <laughs> when I read Kerrang, but were three out of five in their reviews and they're regarded as classics. Yeah. So. I'm pretty sure Appetite Destruction didn't get five out of five when it was when it was cranked did it, you know. That's that's like a fine wine though. It's just it's just aged. Yeah, well. I mean it, it didn't get album of the year at all. Definitely no. for Kerrang. 
you know so uh look, if, if there's one thing that this episode has given us is given us some fucking content for next year so um yeah the, the, that, people love the, content yeah we we could do with some um yeah i think we, we go away and we look at this one the, the 10 out of 10 albums because there can't be many um mm. they're um yeah we're just saying goodbye to padre he's, he's got to go he's got something more important to be so um get 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 off our podcast disappear <laughs> go away and take, take your fucking plastic lion with you mate mate that that band that that lion's favorite band is the kings of leon i'm not interested in the kings of leon go get off seriously think about it metal songs named after big cats seriously unless he's part in shop we'll see you in december it's like you know this is my catalog pose they call it la tigra that's 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 one for the playlist then we'll think of some yeah. yeah, right. I'll add some to the playlist. Anyway, go away. Get out. Go. Be gone. Goodbye, my love slaves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll go away and we'll, we'll think about this 10 out of 10 album thing and I'll, I'll stick some stuff on social media because I, I, I would love to hear people's opinions on what is a 10 out of 10 album. Do they exist? Certainly do they exist in the last 10 years. I can't think of anything, but I might go away and something will pop into my head and think, fuck, yeah, that is a 10 out of 10 album. So we've yeah. got, we've got a thing is you've got a nice window. You've got a nice window between the, like the, the album of the year period. And yes. I like, you know, late January when albums start getting released in proper. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. So yeah, we've got a good, good month to dive in. And that's what I'm, I'm definitely going to do. Right, well, talking of the uh, album of the year period, um, we, we've got two or three weeks off now. Um, we'll have one more episode before the end of the year um, where we're going to get together and we're going to uh, have the inaugural In the Abyss Metal Awards um, album of the year and band of the year and, and a few other, you know, less complimentary and more insulting ones. We'll see. But, hopefully, um, hopefully we'll have found John Schaefer by then. <laughs> um, you know what? That's a fair point. We haven't had a John Schaefer update in about three weeks. Has anybody seen him? I'll tell you off air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll tell you that. All he, right. <laughs> there, there is a rumor um, that he is playing in a in a in a in a masked black metal band in a branch <laughs> of Waterstones <laughs> in Bristol, but this is yet to be confirmed. So, so I'll, I'll leave you with that. Um, we'll be back in about three weeks for the end of year show. Thank you for listening. Catch you soon. Thanks, boys. Uh